Lucifer Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. and then Dylan just comes in really disappointed. <laughs> I've been rereading some Generation X and I feel like that's how Monet always replied. Like everybody else was like, yay, yay, yay. And then Monet's like, yay. So. <laughs> she'd say yay though. She'd be more like. Ugh. Yeah, she would just be like, ugh. Right? And I feel like Paige has never been like yay in her life. I feel Paige is like, I feel a moral sense of duty to experience joy right now, you guys. It's because of my upbringing. <laughs> Basically, yes. That, of course, makes this We Are Krakoa. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. I'm Regina. And I'm Jonah. And we hope you survived this experience, unlike Galactus, who appears to be unraveling at the seams. Yeah, he's like a shitty sweater somebody pulled on the wrong string of. <laughs> So, guys, I, I've been thinking so much about, like, the origins of the Marvel Universe because we're talking about the history of the Marvel Universe, and it's, like, eating away at my brain. I wanted to understand how people feel about sort of, like, more classic year X-Men. House of X has been so tremendous, Powers of Ten, and the Dawn of X. So I asked around, and including this team, uh, reached out to 20 X-Men superfans to get what everybody was thinking, and I asked some questions, and I got some answers. You know, the original five X-Men, Cyclops, Iceman, Beast, Angel, and Marvel Girl. They are so central to the idea of the X-Men, or you'd think. But, you know, bizarrely enough, over 50% of respondents chose Marvel Girl as their favorite. Then roughly the same number of people chose Beast and Iceman, coming in at a little bit less than 20. Cyclops had about 10% of the vote and absolutely no votes for Warren Worthington the third goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Warren. You know, I really wasn't sure. I was like, I'm looking at the pie chart and I'm like, oh, is something wrong? Oh, 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 oh. His mommy and daddy couldn't even buy him friends. <laughs> you mean fans. <laughs> yeah, I'll t he'd take either. But, you know, I had been really surprised to see Gene take just over 50%, but that did not surprise me anywhere near as much as my next question's results with a similar turnout about. So the X-Men had some, like, bonus help in those first few issues in the 1 through 66 era, and Mimic, a former villain, became one of the X-Men. Banshee would work with them. Sunfire, shortly after trying to kill the X-Men, was like, you guys aren't so bad, and then would pretty much go back to thinking the X-Men were so bad most of the time but you know hung out with them anyway he's like the original Monet he's just a little too cool for everyone else right and as well as Polaris and Havoc who are like you know the other X-Men I guess I was not expecting Polaris to take just under half that really surprised me did anybody here have a different vote than Polaris no I think I picked Polaris yeah, I mean, I picked Mimic. Not sorry about it. I mean, okay, and like, I'm kind of biased toward a different Mimic. So look, I know that I'm cheating, but in my head, he's Exiles Mimic. Pretty sure I voted for the person that everybody hates, but probably not as much as Angel. I voted for Sunfire. <laughs> 
You know what, though? Sunfire got more votes than Mimic. While Mimic got one vote, Sunfire wound up with two. So I'm not thinking that you're alone on that. We then had Havoc and Banshee come in together with roughly 20% of the vote each, just about as popular as Beast and Iceman. I guess I was just really surprised no one else liked Mimic. I don't even know who Mimic is. Okay. (laughs) I don't know her. Um, Mimic's fantastic and has a giant M on his shirt. His powers were that he could mimic the power of nearby mutants. He himself is not a mutant. He's the product of experimentation and he can copy mutants' powers within proximity without harming them to about 30% of their full potential. In the case of someone like Warren, that doesn't make a huge amount of difference. He can still fly. In the case of someone like Beast, it does make a huge difference in terms of strength, but Beast would normally hold back, whereas Mimic in his time as a villain would so he would definitely fight pretty dirty. I believe he could copy five of the powers at once. He would eventually be able to, different iterations of the character, hold on to abilities for X amount of time, kind of like a rogue situation, and he would come back from the dead because he dies way early. I think I just really have a crush on Exile's Mimic. He comes back as a member of the Brotherhood in the late 90s, early aughts. And speaking of the Brotherhood, uh, so Wanda just, everybody loves Wanda. This is not even a discussion. The original Brotherhood, kind of Wanda, Magneto, Quicksilver, Toad, and Mastermind. Wanda took like 60% of the vote, then a bunch of people, roughly 30%, like Magneto. And then there's like a little sliver of people interested in Quicksilver, and nobody gives a shit about Mortimer Tonby or Jason Wingard. (laughs) Because they're bad. If it was a different Wingard, then my vote would have went towards them. But this is the crappy one. (laughs) You know what? Like, there are so many Wingards. There's Jason. There's Martinique. There's Reagan. There's, I guess, Pixie, right? The Brotherhood looked to expand its ranks after a while. And the following people were either considered for membership or were outright members of the Brotherhood. And that was Blob, Eunice, the Stranger, Submariner, and the Vanisher. And I don't know what possessed me, but I was like, gotta vote for the Blob. And I kind of thought I'd be the only one who was like, gotta vote for the Blob. But guys, the Blob took in a solid like 20% something of the vote. Uh, Vanisher got two votes. Eunice got one vote. Good for her. And then the Submariner took almost 60% of the vote and none for the stranger. Goodbye. (laughs) I don't think anyone remembers who the stranger is. The stranger de-aged Magneto into a baby and blasted him onto the moon. Yeah, nobody remembers that. (laughs) But that's a great way to deal with Magneto. And the only thing that I like about Eunice is the fact that Eunice is maybe Eunosion's dad. I mean, like, he's gotta be, right? Like, that's not even a question. Yeah. Right? And weren't they hanging out together in Claremont's Excalibur on Genosha at one point? Uh, I think they might have. Yeah, that was a fun time. Now, okay, these next two have some, like, far and away winners, and I I guess we all just need to deal with that. Unshockingly, for Giant Size X-Man, we had Thunderbird Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, and Nightcrawler. I am so sad for Thunderbird, because he received no votes. One vote went to Wolverine, and I'm pretty sure that was from me. Uh, Nightcrawler got a handful of votes, and Colossus even scored a vote. But Storm, Storm. Everyone loves Storm. It's all about Storm. How could you not? I didn't vote for her. Like, everybody, everybody loves Storm, you guys. And I don't blame them. I don't either. It was not even a question. (laughs) Like... 
<laughs> I, I mean, I was going to vote for Storm, but I was like, oh, Wolverine. And then like, but guys, if you think everyone loves Storm, shut the fuck up. Because the clearest clear winner came for my villain pair question. For villain pair, we had Nanny and Orphan Maker, Silver Samurai and Viper, Mystique and Destiny, Black Tom and Juggernaut, and Fenris. Now, for Mystique and Destiny, it's just, it's not even funny. They got like 70 something percent of the vote, far and away the favorite. Uh, there were a few votes for Black Tom, one for Nanny and Orphan Maker, Prankster, and one for Silver Samurai and Viper. But man, people really, truly, it is the Mystique and Destiny show for people. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, especially after the X-Men issue where she finally announced Destiny as her wife, I think it was worth it for everyone. And how could you not love Rogue's moms who brought her into evil but only wanted her to be good? Well, that's a perfect segue into our final question. To get a little bit more understanding of how people feel about the origins of the X-Men, you kind of have to look into, like, the midpoint of the 80s. So I took a look at the greater picture of the giant size X-Men, like Jamie Madrox, Moira McTaggart, Kitty Pride, Rogue, and Dazzler. And this one, I feel like, had, like, the most even responses of everything. Kitty Pride took about 40% of the vote, Dazzler at about 30%, Rogue with 20%, and then Jamie and Moira kind of came in with just, like, a smattering each. But I was really surprised and happy to see Rogue hold her own against, you know, super fan Stan Dazzler and Kitty Pride. Well, speaking of weaving and time, that page with the original five X-Men that has Age of Ultron on, I kind of feel like the Age of Ultron was meant to have eternally long-lasting repercussions on the Marvel Universe. In fact, the Age of Ultron is how Secret Wars is possible. The whole breaking of time in an irreversible way. And, you know, things got very weird in the Marvel Universe with Infinity, Inhumanity, and then, you know, like I mentioned, one of my favorite crossovers, Original Sin. That sixth issue kind of reads as a what's what right away of rewriting the Marvel Universe. Like you immediately get Thor is not worthy. Jane is now Thor. Cap is now Sam Wilson. Otto Octavius is now Spider-Man. The secret wars that are the interdimensional ones. Oh look, here's Miles. Oh look, here's Viv Vision. Don't, oh my God, Amadeus Cho is so fucking hot as a Hulk. Can't stand looking at him. Here's Gwenpool. Here's Spider-Gwen. Here's X-23. You get, oh, here's Nadia Wasp. Here's Riri Williams. Sam Nova. Like the, this first few pages Ages. And like, I hate to be a dick, but it kind of reads like a catalog of trade more than it reads like an issue at times. Though when you get to that IVX page, I'm just like, when did Emma get that orange and black costume? Oh, that's Medusa's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I did like how you said the first couple of pages is just like a, hey, a lot of what you've known has changed and here it all is in a whole bunch of huge splash pages. I think it, it was a lot, but just like the rest of this, these issues have been, it's a lot, but it's been beautifully told, especially that Spider-Man page. I, again, love the story being told in the shadow of Spider-Man on that wall with all the other spider characters. And it's also kind of awesome that it's a lot to take in, but told beautifully because I know when a lot of this happened, a lot of people just like lost their mind of the character switching, especially with Thor and Captain America. Like this beautifully tells it and just doesn't make it a big deal because it wasn't really, I mean, parts of it was a big deal because we've 
are being given a woman Thor and an African-American Captain America. But also, it's not that big of a deal. There's... First of all, it's comics. And second of all, comics have always had mantles that were passed down. There's been a hundred billion freaking Robins. There's been Batman. There was a fucking frog Thor. Frog. He was a fucking frog. There is a dog Thor. Frog Thor. Dog Thor. <laughs> there can be Lady Thor. Exactly. So I like that it's beautifully told, but then also like not making it that big of a deal. And that goes for Amadeus Cho and Kamala and all of those other characters being thrown in there as well. I don't know a lot about the newer, younger generation of heroes coming in, except for that one issue of Outlaws that we read, which now I understand who those characters are, because I, I promise you I had no idea who any of those people in that comic were until reading this, and I was like, oh, it made a lot more sense. It still wasn't good. I appreciated seeing all of these new characters. I love Lunella. She is everything. If you are a any form of media creator, content creator, and you want to get, worm your way into my heart, just give me a, a sassy, young, brilliant female engineer, and you have that's all I need. Literally, I will read anything that has that. What happened to the other Valkyrie now that Jane can be Valkyrie? Are there just two Valkyries? What happened to the other one? There's been a bunch of Valkyries over the years. Every now and then, you know, I mean, like, Valkyrie is death, is death. So, like, you know, every now and then, you just kind of kill a Valkyrie and you make a new one. Well, when Pegasus and a lady get together and they decide to form a team they become valkyrie oh no and they love death so much <laughs> you know kyle i just finished reading war of yes. the realms which there is absolutely no way that was war of the realms that was definitely closure on thor definitely book, which i loved i loved i fucking loved it but that was not like no one else needed to be in that like no one else really needed to be in that and like had i not had the tie-ins i don't know i would have appreciated it so much but it is interesting to me how they managed to show a lot of it and kind of spoil bits of it without really giving away everything. Yeah, with with this being so recent to uh, War of the Realms, yeah, they simplified what happened so that you don't get all of the plot points that led to the ultimate conclusion of, of the story, which I actually am really happy about because there, I felt that there were some really great moments that really made the the event for me and having them not spoiled in this in these pages just really made me happy because people will still be able to experience those moments and still be surprised by it and let's talk about events that are clearly discussed and not spoiled at all guys it takes some 14 horrible pages to get to it just because like it's horrible because i want to be there on the like i just all i want to do is stare at this house of x powers of 10 page for the rest of my life it is i mean I'm surprised Emma is the other person on it, but that Moira on the bench, sassy Xavier and his pouty lips, Krakoa, big, beautiful, gorgeous Krakoa. And that's like the last page of the present. After that, it's all the fucking future. And so, you know, we're an X-Men podcast, supposedly, if comics ever come back. And we're an X-Men podcast. And that page really tells you where the Marvel Universe is at. Guys, how did you feel looking at the present of the X-Men as the future of the Marvel Universe? I want to just really talk about two two important things that are especially going to be affecting us in terms of being an X-Men podcast. The wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost, which how we're getting there, I have no idea since Tony has not made any appearances in the current Dawn of X. And also the Black King. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
it could be a name for something else, but that also vaguely looks like Shinobi. So is Shinobi could become a zombie and kill his father? Because I would like that. I mean, why not? Where is there left for him to go? He sucks so bad. Well, he's not even... No offense, Shinobi. You're not really a character. You were seen for like three pages, and then you disappeared for years, and now you're back. There's literally nothing to him. He's kind of a blank slate, which means you can make a character, but he's not really a character yet. Shino, thanks. Bye. Interested to see where, how we're going to get to these future events. So I'm normally not one to be like, don't spoil what's going to happen. But clearly things, these things that have been shown to us by Galactafrank, as I'm calling him, they're going to happen. And And part of the fun is, how do you get there? And what does that mean for your characters? So I do think the journey will be interesting, but I do, I guess, wish part of the surprise maybe wasn't so, like, spoiled. I really enjoy that a huge main part of them ending the present and beginning the future with the X-Men was put into this book because the X-Men, as again, I want to mention if this, if someone was just reading these books to start Marvel Comics, they would see how very important the X-Men and mutants have been in a ton of stories. And this last couple of issues that issue five and most of issue six, you can see that the mutants have not really been a part of it. And that's mainly because most X-Men books didn't really have good stories. But it's awesome that House of X is the end here to show how very important mutants are to the Marvel Universe and how much of an impact they are going to make on the future. I think it really shows just how much weight they're putting behind the X-Men and the Dawn of X in moving forward with the Marvel Universe, especially with having the major plot points uh, end with the X-Men as this big, big event. They're putting a lot of weight toward this. They believe a lot in this. I don't think I got the feeling that it was going to be as important as maybe they want it to be. Um, When we have the following page and we're starting to talk about future events, I don't really see how what's happening now is going to necessarily be linked to those things. I heard the chatter about like Tony Stark and Emma Frost getting married. And I was like, what the hell is that about? But when I see it in this context, I'm like, okay, how are we going to get there? Because they don't like each other. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be a marriage of convenience. We've had many, many of those <laughs> with the Marvel Universe. Maybe not. But I don't know why Emma Frost as a queen among mutants would marry Tony Stark, if not for some furtherance of of her own goals and agendas for mutant kind. It's just not in her, I feel, for her to do that. And then we kind of, you know, the next page when we start talking about what's going to be happening in the future, they start talking about something terrible is going to happen with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' second child. That's a little heartbreaking. <laughs> there wasn't a super easy road with the first one. Right. And, you know, something I've really appreciated, and I haven't read a whole lot of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, but I have read a few comics featuring them, and I read one with their little girl was having a birthday they partied. It was so adorable. <laughs> and I think that you kind of need touchstones like that to keep you anchored. That's going to be tragic, apparently. And I don't know if, if anybody's really ready for that. And it mentions Warbird. So now I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I need to know all about that. Where is that going to happen? Because I've got to make sure I follow that through. And then he starts to kind of fragment and he starts talking about all these different types of futures. And I was like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening here? <laughs> 
Yeah, I kind of shit myself when I saw Kill Raven. Right? That is such a goddamn deep cut. And I was like, I was, I was like breathtaking. You know, great, Deathlock. I love Deathlock. Great, Machine Man. Everybody knows Aaron Stack is my like spirit familiar. But like, I'm Kang, you know. Can you do a time travel story without Kang? I don't think you can. But, but Kill Raven. Oh my God. Really, I think one of the most exciting things about this entire series is the ultimate final X-Men count. In the first issue, we had references to the Phoenix, the Emkron Crystal, the Akanti, the Brood, the Savage Land, Shi'ar, the Master of the World, I guess, Selene, Apocalypse, Sinister, the Hellfire Club, and Logan. The second issue started off with a reference to Sinister and moved into appearances by Mystique, Destiny, the Weapon H program, whoa, the Weapon X program, and Department H. The third issue saw the inclusion of the Illuminati, which of course has none other than Charles Xavier. We saw the Beast's transformation into a blue furry fuckhead. And we saw the classic X-Men break up, the formation of Alphlight, the all-new, all-different X-Men form, as well as Wolverine versus the Hulk and the birth of the Phoenix. The fourth issue started things off with the Dark Phoenix saga and then gave us Captain Britain, Dazzler, Carol Danvers being ultimately defeated in Avengers Annual Number 10, The Secret Wars, The New Mutants, Power Pack, X-Factor, The Mutant Massacre, Archangel, Excalibur, Inferno, The New Warriors, X-Force, Deadpool, and Weapon X, The Shi'ar versus The Kree, The Executioner Song, Apocalypse, Sinister, Blue and Gold X-Men, The Wedding of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Generation X, The Age of Apocalypse, Legion Quest, and Onslaught. The fifth issue saw new X-Men, Ecstatics, Runaways, Planet X, Disassembled New Avengers, House of M, Messiah Complex, Bishop, Utopia, AVX, AVX Consequences, The Time Displaced X-Men, there was some Age of X in there somewhere, Inhumanity, Captain Britain, X-23, Gwenpool, IVX, House of X, The Wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost, Sentinels, Deathlock, Apocalypse. There were so many concepts that were either unique to the X-Men or at least vaguely X-Men adjacent. Like I give myself Aaron Stack as vaguely X-Men adjacent because, you know, you can kind of say that Next Wave isn't an X-Men book, but you'd be wrong. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've had such a beautiful time with this book and I know I talked to you guys about it for like months before saying, can can we do it? And no one ever said no. Like that's something so important. No one ever tells me no. No one's ever like, we can't do that. But I like sit there nervously like I just, and this look at the future past with you has been eye-opening, exhilarating, educational, fantastic, and like I know I'm walking away with things I want to know more about now. I definitely accept that I need to read the Korvac saga, period. This is no longer a choice. I no longer get to sit out on that one. All right, I'm going to Korvac. Does anybody else have any era or eras or stories that they were just like, damn it, now I gotta know? There were a couple of like really older stories of how things got their start that I was like, I have to read this. I love this character and the design and the name. How can I not want to read this uh the first line which had yankee clipper black fox liberty girl and night uh nightingale nightingale is just batman if i'm i'm assuming which characters are which that is literally just batman batingale so nighting man <laughs> funny enough it's right next to bova so i feel like i have to read it now Boba is queen! It's the Golden Claw, made by Jimmy Woo. That's what I wanted to read. Okay, so that's a vote for my precious Jimmy Woo. Anybody else have any other characters or eras that stand out? I kind of want to go back and read The Eternals. Uh, I had, honestly, before they announced the movie, I had never really known, heard about them. I really wasn't that interested in them, even after the announcement. But actually seeing a bit of their history kind of makes me want to go and read some more. Once again, I'm going to push that John Romita Jr. Neil Gaiman miniseries. It'll give you a really great sense of the Eternals, especially heading into the upcoming film. I would probably want to just go back and read more of 
because I'm not very caught up on Black Panther things. And so for me, seeing that Black Panther has actually been in a lot of different things, especially like that Avengers 1 billion BC, a Black Panther character, I, I would just like to know more about Black Panther. To find out more about that era, I definitely recommend picking up Jason Aaron's Avengers. That character gets a lot of tremendous focus, and in a lot of ways, it informs how Odin treats T'Challa, and that has been a really beautiful story to see unfold in the pages of War of the Realms. I definitely super love what you're pointing out there. I also think if you're looking for an interesting run that you might not realize is Black Panther, at one point after the events of Shadowland, which ha ha ha, did they ever try to skip over here, after the events of Shadowland, Daredevil is believed dead, and in his stead, Black Panther moves to Hell's Kitchen to keep it safe for his friend, and that is known as Black Panther, Man Without Fear, and I definitely recommend that run. It has beautiful art by Francesco Francovilla. I think, actually, um, I'm interested in going back to read more about Sam Wilson as Captain America. I had started that, I think, last summer, and I haven't finished it yet, and seeing it here reminded me I wanted to go back and finish that, because he's so, I feel like he embodies the whole spirit of Captain America and that's why he got the mantle. I want to go back and read more about that. And I think the last book I read, he was teaming up with Misty Knight and I love her so much. <laughs> so I want to finish that and, and go back and read more about what he was doing. I agree. I love Santa's cap and there's just not enough of it. I've truly loved investigating the history of the Marvel Universe with everybody, and it's been so exciting. With comics trickling out for the next few weeks, we're going to be saving some of those issues for a strong run in a row, returning to the X-Books. And until then, we're going to be taking a look at the origins of the X-Men in particular. Over the course of three years, Marvel released several titles known as the X-Men Origins line. These spotlighted such fan-favorite characters as Jean Grey and Cyclops, as well as characters that needed a more cohesive origin cemented into place after so many years of multiple writers working on them, like Deadpool or Sabretooth. We're also going to be interspersing Origins of Marvel Comics The X-Men, a 34-page pin-up style book that did one-and-dones explaining who each X-Man is. We'll be comparing those to the origin stories as well as sort of theming together episodes. But until then, Kyle, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. How about you, Dylan? Everybody can find me at my... Facebook X-Men group that is called the House of X that Regina helps me moderate. Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Regina, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X and on Facebook at the House of Goblin Queen. You can find me ranting on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? As always, you guys can find me all over this amazing show on Mondays and Thursdays here on X-Men or on Tuesdays over on HTML, which I do with my amazing husband, Kevo, where we're currently covering the Star Wars universe. Don't forget to check out our website over at wearekrakoa.com, as well as a special event we're currently running online. Uh, Dylan, I think you have a little bit more information about that. Exodus for Podcasts has joined forces with five other X-Men related podcasts to be a part of the Comic Book United Fund. The Comic Book United Fund was created by the Bank Foundation, which is the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. The Comic Book United Fund is a fundraiser to raise money for comic book retailers during this crazy time of the pandemic to try to help them and make sure that they're still there for all of us when all of this is over. The five other podcasts that are a part of this are X Reads Podcast, The Cerebros, 
Homo Superior, Comic Book Queers, and the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked. Each one of those podcasts has their own social media platform, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Each one of those podcasts, we have different tiers of if you donate, you can get a perk. So who wouldn't want to donate something or you get something back? Each of the tiers has different price points and you get different prizes. The prizes for each podcast range from social media shout outs to winning digital art, winning art that will mail to you or winning a spot on an actual episode of that podcast of your choosing. All you have to do is go to one of those podcast websites, click on the link to the Bink Foundation, donate, and then send one of those podcasts a screenshot of your receipt, and then you'll get your perk. Dylan, thank you so much for helping us become involved in this. This is such a worthwhile enterprise to be a part of, and I'm so excited to be trying to help to give back to the comic book industry, which shops, creators, everybody right now could use it. So it's so exciting that we get to do that. And until we come back, guys, guys, keep those Krakoan gateways lit. Bye. Bye. See ya.